0: God is a good God. God is a good God. All the time. While you're turning to 1 Corinthians 9, I want to read you a statistic. Only 12% of people under 18 are coming to church in America. Only 12% under 18 are coming to church in America. Only 10% of these people continue going to church when they are adults. Here's an illustration Eighty-five, or excuse me, eighty-eight percent of America's more than thirty million teenagers are unchurched. Did you get that? Eighty-eight percent of thirty million teenagers are unchurched. Of the twelve percent who do currently attend, eighty percent of that twelve percent will stop attending before they graduate from high school. Surveys show that ninety percent of people who give their lives to Christ do so before the age of thirty. of people who trust in Christ who get saved do so before the age of 30. And if 80% of our population of our teenagers and young people are unchurched, what is that going to be in America? 85% of people. Listen, this is even sadder. 50% of the world's population is under 25. In most countries in the developing world, 50% of the population is under the age of 15. There are more than 3.5 billion people on the planet who are under 20 years of age. Sadly, if they live to adulthood, many of these dear young people will not become Christians and spend eternity without God. We cannot afford to miss out on the great opportunities to reach the young people. This, this, this service today is entitled, By All Means Save Some. Say that with me. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 16, it says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, of necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And under the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law as without law, be not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them which are without law. Watch this now. To the weak... Became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your teenagers. Thank you, Lord, for everything you've done today. Bless the message. God, I pray your will be done. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, my friend.
1: I love following the life of Paul and reading the letters of Paul. Paul was uh, the type of guy, he didn't make no apologies. Paul never, he never stood up and said, I'm sorry that I said this or I'm sorry that I done that. He wasn't the type of person to cow down from a fight neither. Uh, I've often thought of the Apostle Paul much like a Clint Eastwood type character, you know. I, I can just see him. Standing before the devil and saying, Go ahead, devil, make my day. I mean, he was a tough guy. You got to think about this fellow now. He had done been shipwrecked three times. I mean, grabbed hold of a board and floated in the water, in the ocean for just hours on hours before he ever came to dry land. He had been beaten. The Bible says that many lashes were laid to his charge. I mean, beaten to a pulp, bloody. And then there was over there in Acts chapter 16 where he was locked up, the Bible says, fast in the stocks. And that's when that great earthquake came that God sent and he knocked all, the, all, their, all their chains off and he opened all the cell doors and these guys all came out. And God did an amazing work there in Paul's life. But not just being shipwrecked and beaten and imprisoned, but he was even stoned and left. They thought he was actually dead. They left him outside of the city walls, drug him out, left him for dead. And to top all that off, that was actually an instance where he was warming up by the fire and a snake jumps out and bites him on the hand. But a poisonous snake, no less. And out of all those things, Paul still preached the gospel. Never made an apology for it. Never one time said that he was turning back. He steadily preached the gospel. He had a drive in him. He had a drive that was within him. And it was, number one, the priority that he felt. The priority that he felt. What was the priority? What was the drive? It's the same thing that should drive every one of us as Christians. To see people get saved. That wasn't enough amens out of there. I said our drive should be to see people get saved. I didn't come here this morning to entertain nobody. I promise you, I love to get to preach, Brother Donnie. This is the first time that I've got to preach in the big auditorium since we've went through all the changes that we've been making. And I'm having a big time already. But I didn't come here to entertain nobody. I came here, prayed up, ready, asking and begging God to please save somebody today. Now, Whenever it's all over, if it all goes good, yeah, I'm going to go out and we're going to celebrate. We're going to have a big time. Say, man, church was great this morning. God showed up. We had a big time. But if we do all this, and if we do it all again next week, and all again the week after that, and the week after that, and nobody gets saved, then why did we do it? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Aren't you glad for that? Nobody ever likes to add that last part. But that part about to the Jew first and also to the Greek means that at one time salvation was for the Jews. But Paul brought it to the Greeks. In case you didn't know it, we the Greeks. Amen. We're the Gentiles. And the and gospel the gospel, salvation was brought unto us. Our drive should be to get people saved. should be to get people saved. I don't care how you sing it. Just sing it about Jesus. I don't care. There's some people that get up there and they can preach in a monotone voice and they can preach in a monotone voice. I've heard them do it and have the power of God on them. I mean, I've heard these guys, I mean, these radio preachers, I couldn't never be a radio preacher because I couldn't stay behind the mic long enough. I'd be running all around. But... These radio preachers, they'll get on there and sometimes, man, you'll just be blown away by their wisdom and have the anointing. But then you have these guys that will stand on the front pew and spit and slobber and every... and both of them have the power of God on them. <laughs> both of these guys have the anointing of God on their life and on their message and on what they're doing. It doesn't all have to be one way. Please, please, please do not misinterpret the drama. The, indra- the drama was not out with the old and in with the new. That's not what we're saying. The Bible says, by all means, save some. What? How many means? All, all means. That means, hey, if there's some young folks out there that like it this way, let's do it this way to win them. If there's some older folks that like it this way, let's do it this way to win them. Like, in the famous words of Rodney King, can't we all just get along? It's the gospel, people. It's the gospel. Let me get to my sub points right quick. The priority he felt to see people get saved. What was the priority? What was the priority? The message that he reported. The message that he reported. The message is the gospel. The gospel literally means the good news. I don't know what it is that you're going through this morning. I don't know what kind of test, what kind of temptations, what kind of trials you're facing. But I promise you this, there's good news. The good news is that Jesus is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He said that he would never leave you nor forsake you. He said that he would never leave his seed be- begging for bread. He's, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. He's a mighty God. Amen. The message that he reported, there's good news. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's good news. That was what drove Paul to, to walk thousands and thousands of miles on these missionary journeys. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, they didn't have no real good ways of Even if he did have a donkey, that wouldn't be a whole lot of fun riding over country after country on a donkey. But he had a drive in him. He knew that he had the greatest story ever told. He knew, and it's more than just a story. It's more than just words on a page. But he knew that he had the very greatest story ever told to share with a lost and dying world. Guess what? Can I borrow your Bible just for a second? We also have the greatest story ever told. What is our priority? What's the priority that we should feel? Is the message that he reported. You may not be a preacher. You may not be a teacher. And you may feel like, hey, every time I open this book to try to share, I sound like a a moron. I've done it. I've done it. I've been there. I've been so scared to witness to people and to try to say the right thing. And I've been so afraid that if I started talking about the Bible or if I started talking about the Word that I was going to mess it up. But I promise you this. In that time, when that time comes, God will give you the words to say. God, and, and you know what? If you can't say nothing except for, man, I go to a great church who can, whatever, I may not know all the answers, but whatever you need to know, I can take you to a place where they can help you. Amen? The, the message that he reported, the message that he reported, but not just the message. The message is the most important part. I mean, we, we, we don't change the message around here. We don't change the message around. We may, we may revamp the method a little bit. We may build a boat in three days and have a big skit all this. But we didn't change the message. The message is still that the, that the ship of life is sunk and that there's people out there and that they're lost and they're needing something. They're needing the old ship of Zion. They need the gospel ship to come rescue. Because the Bible said, Jesus told them, he said, there is, he said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. I think a lot of times we forget that. I think a lot of times as a church as a whole, with the, in not our church, but the church of God as a whole, we forget that he is the only way to heaven. He never said, I am a way, one way, some way. He said, I am the way. There's only one way. And we need to make sure that we put emphasis on, that's the only way. We've got the answer. Hey, Brother Willis. I see you out there, man. I'm glad. Good to see you in church, man. He is the way. Not just the priority, but not just the message that he reported, but also the mandate that he received. I told you I like reading behind Paul, so I'm going to read a couple of precursors to some of his letters. 1 Corinthians 1.1. Paul called to be an apostle... Of Jesus Christ through the will of God. 2 Corinthians 1.1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And I didn't give these guys verses. Y'all just going to follow me. Galatians 1.1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. Anybody noticing something that's the common denominator here? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ... By the will of God. That's Ephesians 1.1. And there's the last one. 1 Timothy 1.1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. By the commandment of God, of God our Savior. The mandate that he received. The Bible says, woe, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. I like another verse. I want to read it. I need to check this one out right quick. He says, For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. I didn't quite understand that verse whenever I first read it. So I kind of looked at it and uh, looked at some different commentaries. And I got to studying that out. And you know what that actually means? He says, if I do the gospel willingly, great. But if I decide that I'm not going to preach the gospel, God is going to put me in a place where I have to preach the gospel. That's what that verse means. You say, I don't believe that. Ask Jonah. Jonah wound up preaching to the Ninevites no matter how bad and how hard he tried to get out of it. God had to put him in the belly of a fish, spew him up on an island so that he would go preach to the Ninevites. I don't want to go that far. I'm just going to preach it willingly. Amen? God will do whatever it takes to get His word out. Why? Because it's not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Like I said before, this is not a out with the old, in with the new sermon. We want to do it all. But don't keep the new out just because it ain't your flavor. We ain't trying to kick the old out. We're just trying to bring some new in because we want some new faces around here. We want to see people saved. That's the priority. And if, isn't it silly? The Bible says that we're fishers of men. Now, would it be silly if I had a hundred nets on my boat? But yet I took one net and threw the same net. And then I just brought in the one net. And I threw that one net and just brought it in. When I had a hundred nets that I could cast, why don't we cast all our nets? I got two little boys. I would be foolish got to do everything within my power to make sure that my boys know and believe and accept the gospel. Back in, and I'm almost finished, I'm fixing to tag out, back in the, uh, the late 1800s, early 1900s, Automobiles were getting big, and they were starting to there was still a lot of controversy there over whether you should drive a horse or drive a car. We know who won that argument. And then it's the truth. The Bible says to preach the truth, it was the truth. And, and locomotives and trains, all that, that stuff was getting real big and it was real. It was real popular. It was a good way to transport goods by using the, the trains. Well, a lot of your small towns that didn't have, you know, as much money and things of that nature, they couldn't afford to get the big fancy lights at the edge of the train tracks that flash back and forth and let you know when the train's coming. So what they would do is they would actually build a post. And there in that post, there would be a man that was, it was his job to sit in the post and whenever he saw the train coming, he would come out and he would stop any traffic that may be coming. He would stand there in front of the tracks, make sure that nobody came. Well, at night, what they would do is they would listen for the, they would listen for the whistle, but they would also look for the light. Well, it doesn't do you a whole lot of good if, you don't, if, if you're in the car, if somebody else don't have some way of letting you know that they're standing in front of the train. So they had the deal where they would go and they would get the lantern and they would wave the lantern. They would wave the lantern to any oncoming traffic as that train was coming. Well, one night, there was this uh, particular instance where the fella he was sitting there and he was, he was on post. He was wide awake, doing his job just like he was supposed to do, and all of a sudden he hears out in the distance. I'm not going to do a train whistle. I was thinking about it, but I can't. But he hears the train whistle from off in the distance. And he looked down, and sure enough, that was the lie. So he grabbed his lantern, and he ran out, and he began to wave his lantern. And he stood there in front of the train tracks, waving his lantern. And he was waving and waving and waving, and the car began to come. Well, he got to noticing that this car wasn't slowing down. And he's sitting there, and he's waving, and he's waving, and he's waving, and the car is still not slowing down. And... The train gets up to that. The, he sees the trains coming. He sees the cars coming, and he's waving his lantern. And he's waving his lantern, but the car never stopped. He jumps out of the way of the car, and the tra- the car and the train collide, killing the entire family that was on the car. It became a big to do. I mean, it was front page of all the papers. Train crash kills four in a, in a car accident, and all this, and it became so big that it was. National media, and they were putting this guy on trial, saying that he didn't do his job. Something was wrong somewhere. Why Why did this family perish? Why did they have to die? If you did your job just like you said, and he sat there on the bench as that prosecuting attorney wailed at him and wailed. Were you asleep on your post? No, I was not asleep on my post. Then why did this family have to die? Did, did you not see the light from the train? Yes, I saw the light from the train. Then why did this family have to die? Did you not get out and did you not wave your lantern? Did, did you not do your job? Why did this family have to die? And the fella it took him. He just took it and they drilled him and they drilled him and drilled him and finally he just dropped his head. He said, I saw the light. I heard the whistle. I grabbed my lantern and I went and waved my lantern. But it wasn't lit. Did everything that he was supposed to do. He did his job just like he was supposed to do, Brother Jeff. But forgot the most important part. His lantern wasn't lit. Man, we could come here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And man, this is a great crowd. And I love seeing these people here. Man, if we come here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and our lantern ain't lit, then they're not going to know the train's coming. The Bible says that Satan is our adversary and he is as a roaring lion roaming to and fro, seeking who he may devour. Somebody's got to warn them. Even if it's just barely lit. There's a lot of churches around that their lantern is just barely lit. We need to be the brightest light in Coleman, Alabama. Amen. Amen. Give Him praise. We need to be the brightest light in Coleman, Alabama. Why? Because there's a priority. We want to see people saved. Amen. Amen. You ready?
0: That was great. You're done, son. Amen. Miss <laughs> Robbins, good to see you too. I noticed you out there. It's good to have people that's been out sick and in the hospital. Brother Lee been in the hospital and back with us today. Uh, what a God we serve. Amen. I was I was thinking about today and as God put all this on my heart, I read a story about a man by the name of Jim. He had a passion for God and a love for people, and he had a burden to communicate this with the people and the gospel that he had. But he wrestled with the question of how to bring the message of Christ into a setting that seemed so far from him. How could he help people see and embrace the truth that had so little biblical understanding? The barriers seemed insurmountable and the task appeared virtually impossible. Sometimes when you look at, on TV, you look at this generation. Sometimes you just want to pull your hair out and say, what's it going to take for them to get it? What's it going to take for them to see that the gospel is wonderful, that, that the heaven is real, hell is real? What's it going to take? It just sometimes it seems impossible. Even with the obstacles in front of him, Jim knew he had to try. God had given him a vision to make a difference in the lives of those men and women. So try he did. In fact, he went to great lengths to relate to their culture. Lengths that would probably make you or me feel very uncomfortable. Following the example of the Apostle Paul, he took bold risks to become all things to all men for the sake of the gospel. What kind of risks did he take? What did he do? What did he do that was uh, so groundbreaking, so pioneering? First, he shaved his head right down to the skin. Except for a patch of hair on the back back here that he grew real long. Not only that, he began to wear it in a pigtail and even dyed it a different color. (gasps) Well, you've got the top ready, Kendrick. we just got to work on the ponytail. Amen? (laughs) He also gave up his familiar business attire and he began to dress like them. He even changed his eating patterns and started to dine in their style of the ones he cared so much about. Further, he worked hard to learn their vocabulary in the hopes that he would be able to effectively convey biblical teachings in their everyday street language. He read their papers, studied their ideas, went out of his way to discover and build on whatever areas of common ground he had with them. Jim didn't do this all from a distance either. Now, he actually moved into the neighborhood with these people. He lived close to them, became their friend, spent extended periods of time talking with them, getting to know them, playing with their children, also uh, in spite of their non Christian lifestyle, and in almost every case, their outright rejection of his message, he kept on. What did other church leaders think of all this? Did they celebrate Jim's tenacious commitment to reaching these unsaved people? Did they rally around him and support his courageous efforts? Did they uphold him in prayer and find ways to encourage him and spur him on in his bold evangelistic pursuits? Not even close. On the contrary, they mostly misunderstood, misrepresented, and even openly maligned him. The very people who should have supported and helped turn their backs on him in his ministry. In many ways, he had to continue his efforts by himself with the backing of just a few close friends who shared his vision. Jim. Who is this Jim? Who is this Jim? He's also known by you and me as James Hudson Taylor. James Hudson Taylor is the man who more than a century ago gave up everything to build a ministry called the China Inland Mission More than anyone else, he is credited with turning so many in the nation of China to the faith in Christ of anybody. And today he's regarded widely as the greatest pioneer of the modern mission movement. In Bible college, we learned all about him, didn't we? We had to write papers, we had to study uh, his thoughts and, 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 and biographies and all of these things about this man. But, but while I was reading that, while I was reading some of the things he did, I could feel vibes coming from the congregation. Shave his head, grow a ponytail, how dare him? Well, if you looked in, back in history and you looked at the people he was reaching, that's exactly what he looked like. That's exactly what they dressed and looked like. He became them to reach them. I've got Bible. I've got Bible. He says, he says, As unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law is under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law is without the law. Be not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. That I might gain them that are without the law. In other words, you're not going to go rob a bank to reach the bank robbers. Say amen. But, he says, to the weak became I as weak. That I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men. That I might by all means save some. Some. I I begin to think. I begin to think about what does that entail what does that mean i mean how how seriously did paul take getting people saved how seriously how seriously did jesus take getting people saved how important do you think salvation was to the lord well he said this if your eye is offending you and keeping you from getting saved pluck it out If if your hand offends thee, if it's keeping you and hindering you from getting saved, he said, cut it off. It would be better for you to go into heaven with one eye where you can get it back than to go into hell with both of them where you'll... Hell is real. While we're playing church, hell is on fire. While we're playing church, people are dropping off into hell and young people are dying every single day. Why, we have to have our preference. Paul said, I prefer one thing, but I'm willing to give it up so somebody else can get saved. If you'll study the whole chapter, if you'll study 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the whole 9, it's about his rights as an apostle. He said, I have a right to receive offerings. I have a right to receive compensation for my ministry. I have a right to do all of these things. He said, but I'm giving them up. I'm giving it up so that I can win that many more. And what he is saying here, he's saying, it's not about my rights. It's not about what I deserve. It's about what they need to get into heaven. And I'm willing to give up something that I have a right to, that I deserve rightly. And I'm willing to give it up so I can see them saved. Saved. Brother Brother Scott preached so well, done a great job on the priority he felt. But I want to share with you the pattern that he followed. The pattern that he followed. Look at this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Write this down under A. And and we're almost done. We're almost done. A, write this down. I want you to see the diversity he utilized. Say that with me. The. Say it again. That word scares everybody. Slam to death. I don't know why. Something is different doesn't mean it's wrong. You just don't like the old stuff. Are you kidding me? We were practicing last night. God is my witness. I have witnesses of it. We was practicing last night, and Brother Jalen went to sing one of the old songs for that one part. I said, no, 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 sing another one, because I like that one. Did I not? I made him change the song. I said, no, that's a good one. No, we're going to, uh-uh. I like all of it. But there are people that are being raised up that are in this world now. They've never heard Blessed Assurance. They've never heard uh, the, the, the old rugged cross. They've never heard this kind of stuff. But they have heard, I will rise. They have heard, what an awesome God. They have heard all of this stuff. And what may reach you may not reach them. What may touch you may not touch them. Well, I'm here to tell you, I want to touch them all. And I'm willing to do what it takes to reach them. I want to see them saved. I don't want them to go to hell. I don't care about my preference anymore. I don't care what I have a right to anymore. I've got a job. I've got a mandate from glory. Get them in the boat. Get them in the boat. I used to preach. You know what? The, the, The older I get, the dumber I was. I used to preach on stuff it was so ignorant anytime somebody did something different to me we'd have a message on it bless God these people go into two services just for convenience they're just having two services so they can go and get in their bikini and go to the lake you know what we're going to start about 11 o'clock Second service. Amen. And it show sure ain't for no bikini. Say amen. It's because we run out of room. Y'all realize we run out of parking in the front this morning? Isn't that a cool problem? But we'll preach against it. We'll preach because it's different. There, there's nowhere in the Bible I can find where you have to have one service and you got to start Sunday school at 10 o'clock and you've got to start church at 11 o'clock, bless God or you're not going to heaven. Can't find it nowhere in the Bible, but we'll preach against it. Well, I'm glad we're past that. Yeah, but there's some other things we need to get past. First time I heard somebody's having coffee in church. Bless God. Let's all turn to second hesitation. <laughs> Bunch of compromisers. Don't need no coffee. They ought to have Mountain Dew. Amen. <laughs> I don't like all this theatrical stuff. We need more theology. You know, that's exactly what the Pharisee said. Here's what, here's what Independent Fundamental little patriotic to say. Bless God, the only reason they got a crowd over there, they got them screens up there on the wall. Yeah. Now they're putting up that stuff and having dramas and everything, and that's the only reason, the only reason they got a crowd because they're having all that Hollywood stuff. <laughs> all this theatrical, all this all that dramatic stuff. You know what? This is what the Pharisee said. Only reason Jesus got a crowd over there, he's just turning water into wine. That's not theatrical. Well, I tell you what. Only reason he's got a crowd over there, he's raising the dead. How much more theatrical can you get? Lazarus, arise! <laughs> talk about shock and awe <laughs> we want to preach against people that's doing stuff that Jesus already did yeah. all he's doing having him a fish fry with one little lunch and just fed 5,000 that's the only reason he's got a crowd Does this, are y'all getting this? Yeah. If a if hundred more people come to hear the gospel because they can sit and have a cup of coffee, yeah. isn't that worth it? Yeah. If just one came. Isn't it still worth it? Well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Oh, I don't know about that. What if it was this one? How would you feel then? What if it was your one? How would you feel then? You're just being smart. No, I'm just tired of playing games. I'm tired of playing church and being a Pharisee and judging people because they're different than me. And, and if, if, Let me tell you something. I've made up my mind I 've made up my mind if I can't find it in that book, i ain't preaching against it. Amen. Amen. by all means, save some
1: yeah.
0: when you Amen. when you have a teenager typing in on the computer at about six this morning saying. I can't sleep. I can't wait to get to church. I can't, there's just no telling what God's going to do today. Yeah. A teenager. Yeah. Teenagers getting, getting on and, and, and sending out messages to their friends. Man, you've got to come to church. It's going to be awesome. Church is going to rock tonight. Be careful. I see it. See, it's already started. Oh, Rock. What if they'd have said, it's going to be glorious tonight? That's not how they talk. Do you see the point? The man shaved his head, grew a ponytail, started talking like them and eating with chopsticks. He didn't, he didn't talk Christianese. Some of y'all try to talk to lost people like they've been saved for 20 years. It is so wonderful to be redeemed and regenerated. Thank God for the propitiation for our sins. I've got a degree. I just never use it. They have no idea what you're talking about. The problem is we've been saved too long We've forgotten what it's like to be drunk, yeah, on, to be addicted, to be hopeless, to be lost. We forgot what it's like to be lost. Yeah, come on, That's right. yeah. Let's win them. Let's use whatever diversity it takes. Let's, let's build a crab boat up on the deck. Let the preacher wear muck boots to preach in. <laughs> Debbie sent me a note on Facebook. You know, our Debbie, Miss Con- Aunt Connie's Debbie. And said, "You rock. You're not. You got to understand the history. Has hated God for years because she was treated in such a bad way by fundamentalists and was crucified and has hated God and preachers and mainly church because the only thing that she related to God was what she saw." She says, When are you gonna come up there and preach? In Kansas City, where she lives. I said, I'm just waiting on an invite. You inviting? And she said, I'm gonna go find a church. I'm gonna go find a church. You know why? Because she's seeing something that's real. That's not a religion. I know, I know this is so uncomfortable. To some people, I understand that. But God shared with me a verse, and we're going to pray. I say a verse. He gave me a sentence. He gave me a sentence. He said, "Your commitment." And this is—he spoke this to me, and I believe He wants me to tell it to you. Now, everybody, stay with me. Look at me. I need everybody. Don't this ain't. Don't write this down. Just look at me. Your commitment to evangelism or getting people saved is measured by what you're willing to give up to accomplish the task. Think about that a minute. Your commitment to getting people saved is measured by what you're willing to give up to see it happen. Jesus gave up his life to see it happen. William Borden gave up his inheritance, his family inheritance, to go to the mission field to see people saved. And he said, no reserves. No reserves. No retreat. And no regret. Paul said, I have given up all things. I count them all but dung that I may win Christ. That I may accomplish my purpose on this earth. What have you given up so somebody else can be saved? Are you willing to give up a style of worship? Are you willing to give up a preference? Are you willing to give up something so that somebody else can get in? See? You're in. You're not in the storm anymore. You're not desperate. Listen. You're not doomed. You're not. You're not floating. You're not about to drown. It. You're in. You're safe. Are you willing to give up something so somebody else can get in? Do you see, when Brother Jalen, all this, everything we did up here was for a purpose. Brother Tyler sung so well. That was great, wasn't it? Yes, that was great. And then at the end, Brother Jalen came and they sang together. It's like Scott said it's not out with the old and in with the new. It's we're going to do everything by all means to save some. To save some. I love this church. I love, I love y'all but church we've got to do everything we can to see people saved right. what are you willing to give up to see that happen here's the deal here's the deal let me describe this and we're going to pray if you'll notice the people that had issues they had issues but yet when they saw the need they were willing to help. Now here's the deal. Nobody leave here and think that people have been fighting us. Nobody's fought us. I hear stuff I know. We'd prefer this, we'd prefer that. But nobody's fighting us. But see, I want to move beyond enduring something. I don't want you just to not fight us. I want you to help us. Amen. There, there's a difference. There's a difference between standing here and saying, "Okay, sing what you want to sing," but I'm, I'm just not going to be with it, and I'm not. There's a difference between, hey, I'm not going to fight you, everything, okay. I'm going to just endure There's a difference between that and saying, hey, sing it, help, come on, let's get. We need all the help we can get. There's so many going to hell so fast. It's unbelievable. I was up at Walmart getting these daggers <laughs> last night. And all I saw was carload after carload after carload of young people wondering. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. What is there out? And all I could think about, no direction, no purpose, just wandering in the parking lot, going and driving around and around. And you know what it reminded me of? The young people floating with no direction, no hope, just waiting for a church willing to do whatever it takes to go get them and get them in. And all God's people said, Father, in Jesus' name I pray. I pray, Lord, that you'll touch those that are here.